In the news this month, YCharts looks to move into the enterprise wealth space by adding SMA data to their portfolio analytics platform. Asset manager Franklin Templeton has built an optimization engine that could unbundle 401k target date funds. And Investnet is looking to supercharge their Yodely data to help advisors deliver on the promise of holistic wealth management. All of these stories will be covered on this episode of the Wealth Management Today podcast. It's another fantastic day in the wonderful world of wealth tech. Welcome to episode 69 of the Wealth Management Today podcast. I'm your host, Craig Eskowitz, and I run a consulting firm called Ezra Group. We're experts in everything related to wealth tech. We deliver growth-oriented solutions to banks, broker-dealers, asset managers, RIA aggregators, as well as their wealth tech providers and vendors through our premium advice and targeted market research. On this podcast, I speak with some of the smartest people in our industry, who are on the leading edge of technology and innovation. Please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a five-star review on iTunes. It'll really help us out. And please share this episode across your social media networks. And here we go with this episode. So we're going to try something a little different with this episode. I'm going to review some of the news. Uh, For those of you who follow along, I've been uh, guest writing on Keith, Michael Keats' blog, his monthly fintech column, uh, latest news in wealth management and advisor technology. And so this week, we're g- I'm going to uh, go through some of the top news stories that came out uh, for this month and give you my, feel, my imp- uh, input on them uh, a little bit more detail. Uh, normally, these little snippets on uh, Michael's blog, Keats's.com, are 600, 700 words and I really can't get a lot of information there. Uh, so what we're going to do is pick a couple of stories out, and then I'm going to go into a little more detail about them, and then we'll, uh, we'll see where things go from there. It's a new concept for us. We only have done interviews up until this point. But let's, uh, let's uh, jump right into this. So our first story uh, is Franklin Templeton launches an optimization engine to unbundle 401k target date funds. This is an interesting story. Uh, we're seeing a lot more asset managers get involved in technology. Uh, either uh, a lot of them are buying technology. You know, we saw State Street bought Charles River. GemStep uh, was bought by Invesco. Uh, Invesco also bought a portfolio management system called Portfolio Pathway. And they recently bought a portfolio rebalancing software called Red Black. And Franklin Templeton just launched their own internally developed software, which they're calling uh, a goals, it's a goals-based engine. I think they're calling it a goals optimization engine, and their acronym is GO, G-O-E, which is interesting. And you know, everyone's looking to solve for retirement. We're seeing a lot of tools, a lot of technology, uh, beyond just financial planning software, trying to solve for retirement in different ways. There's been a, a, a launch of a number of different tools, like uh, Income Conductor and other tools that just focus on retirement income and how to deal with that. Uh, Life Yield also started out with decumulation, how to optimize uh, taking assets out and selling down to decumulate. So this optimization engine uh, is a way to uh, 
do both. So they're looking to both maximize the returns in your accumulation phase by creating custom asset allocations and then do it on the, uh, on the uh, downside as well. So it becomes sort of a dynamic model and it's bespoke uh, allegedly as the way it should work if it works the way they claim where it optimizes each investor's time horizon, optimize sort of a, a, a customized target date fund for each investor rather than a generic target date fund that you put categories of investors in. If this really works the way it says it works, then you would get a much more bespoke solution uh, around each investor, but it'll be automated so it would scale. And of course, uh, Franklin Templeton can populate the models with their own funds, although they say it's going to be open architecture, but really what's the point of an asset manager spending all this money on technology if they're not going to increase their distribution, if they're not going to push out more of their product, they're basically working for free and no one works for free. I mean, I do these podcasts, uh, not for free, but for marketing in hopes that uh, broker dealers, asset managers, and fintech firms come to my consulting firm. So it's uh, it's a, a free service that is hoping to get, it's marketing, hoping to get business out of it. So these asset managers must be doing the same thing, in my mind, they're putting out software um, that they're selling for a lower cost or offering for free. And then with the uh, understanding that there'll be some sort of benefit uh, on the other end. But this tool looks interesting. And then Franklin Templeton, it looks like they're going to combine this uh, optimization engine with uh, t- other technology they purchased, uh, which was Advisor Engine. And Advisor Engine was one of the first onboarding tools, digital onboarding tools. We've, we've been talking a lot about digital advice, digital tools, just in a number of panels I've been on. Just today, I was on two panels, one w- with Tegra 118, a uh, fintech firm, and one uh, with the Money Management Institute. And in both panels, digital advice solutions came up. And digital advice started out from robo-advisors like Betterman and Wealthfront, and then firms like Advisor Engine, GemStep, uh, Orange, and others launched their own uh, white label digital advice or digital onboarding, electronic onboarding for advisors, broker-dealers, SM managers, or other uh, RIAs and other firms, which, uh, so they're taking the robo solution and making it into a, into a B2B tool. But these firms didn't stay uh, uh, onboarding for long. They started adding more functionality. Advisor Engine bought Juncture, a CRM tool, and started building out other technology, um, did some tight integration with Smartleaf for rebalancing, because uh, they realized for com- uh, companies were coming to them and saying, great, thanks for the onboarding. We love it. But now what do we do? We have these clients that need to get portfolios, have portfolio construction, have models, have rebalancing, have reporting. Um, and other firms are building those things out. Uh, GemStep also saw that, or rather Invesco saw that. Uh, their their uh, software GemStep uh, had some success in the banking space with onboarding uh, and other digital um, aspects, but they were getting a lot of calls for rebalancing on the broker-dealer and RIA side. So they went out and bought Red Black which was a really good, uh, we've done some reviews of Red Black, very, very powerful, very strong portfolio rebalancing software. One of the few standalone software vendors that were still on the market uh, now, and uh, they snapped them up. Also, Red Black has very good uh, trade order management, which a lot of uh, rebalancers don't have. Even some of the largest tech firms that, have, uh, that are known for portfolio rebalancing don't do a good job on order management. And being able to tightly integrate those uh, saves a lot of time in operations. 
So I thought that Invesco buying Red Black was a great move for them, assuming that they're going to combine it with with Gemstep. In, uh, in my recommendation, which no one's asked for, but that will be my recommendation. Another interesting aspect of the Franklin Templeton announcement of their optimization engine is their partnering with uh, Next Capital. And Next Capital is also in the news. We'll get to that next. Next Capital is kind of a robo platform, B2B robo platform that uh, offers, uh, uh, that automates managed account solutions in the defined benefits space and 401k space. So definitely an interesting uh, take on things, an interesting uh, pitch for their, their software. And Franklin Templeton is partnering with them with their optimization engine that will be uh, implemented by Next Capital. So uh, again, they didn't have a lot of details, but the way I see it, that an advisor would, would start the optimization engine, enter a lot of information about the client and then the engine would generate an asset allocation and then feed that over to Next Capital that would build a discretionary managed account portfolio, which could be from, uh, which could include Franklin Templeton funds. It could include separately managed accounts, uh, ETFs, anything really. And then they would manage it and then take a feed from the, the Franklin Templeton optimization engine. Can I call it Go? Would that be confusing the Go engine? It's hard to say what this what the acronym is going to sound like. Go, the go, the Franklin Templeton Go engine, and as the, the 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 client ages and goes through life, the engine would optimize and continually tweak the asset allocation to give them the highest probability of reaching their goals, and that way it works kind of like a customized targeted fund for that particular investor and for that particular goal. Right, there could be a retirement goal, it could be a, a philanthropy goal, it could be an educational goal. So uh, I imagine the software is scalable and uh, should be able to handle any, any number of goals. <clears throat> they also, uh, Franklin also claimed, which I didn't include in, in, the, um, in my write-up because I couldn't, approve, I couldn't ver- verify it, uh, that it's driven by machine learning. And I hear a lot of firms talk, throw the machine learning um, buzzword out and say, oh, we're backed by machine learning, but it really isn't. And I don't know that for a fact about the Franklin Templeton product. Um, so I, I left that out of my write-up because I couldn't, I couldn't verify that it really was based on machine learning. Because we hear a lot, of, a lot of that and there's no data about one client that you can build a machine learning interface with or, or, or use any machine learning techniques to gather. You need millions of clients' data points in order to feed a machine learning engine and, and develop insights that you can use. So maybe they're looking across their entire client base of all Franklin Templeton's accounts, but then how do you know what their goals are? It was just very fuzzy to me um, whether they were really using uh, machine learning or not, but hopefully they can take advantage of it in some way, make the optimization more successful. Um, you know, after 40 or 50 years of this application running, they'll have a lot more data points, but uh, not right now. So uh, interesting uh, optimization tool, interesting way to approach the target date this, uh, defined benefits, 401k market with something to differentiate because advisors need to differentiate. Um, there's a lot of com- competition, both from robos, fintechs, uh, other online retail focused uh, consumer products, uh, consumer uh, f- companies. And they're going to be nipping away, nibbling away at advisors' business, taking a bit here and taking a bit there. And it's going to hurt. It's going to definitely start impacting advisors' uh, competitiveness and ability to make money. 
So any way that they can offer something that other firms don't have, uh, Franklin Go Engine, the Go Engine, I like that term, uh, could be very successful. Next up, the next uh, article we're going to talk about is uh, Next Capital. And we just spoke about that um, with uh, Franklin Templeton, is partnering with Next Capital. Uh, but Next Capital is in the news on keatsleys.com. You can check out our, uh, Michael and I wrote up this uh, together. The latest in financial advisor tech news, October 2020, is the article. And I'm guest blogging with Michael just this month. Uh, so Next Capital. Um, so they um, have been around for a while and they started a long time ago. At least the core of the company started a long time ago, over 20 years ago, um, with a company that, that was doing something else in the retirement space. And then they, this, the same team pivoted and, and left that and started a new company and really wanted to focus on the defined benefit space, um, somehow uh, being able to automate IRA rollovers into 401ks. Uh, it's a great idea to uh, be able to do that would help a lot of advisors scale their business. And the uh, Next Capital just raised another $30 million, which is a nice chunk of change to help them build out their platform, do more marketing, hire some more people. I think their funding is up to $85 million now. Um, not a bad amount. And they're, uh, they're doing more partnering, like with, with uh, Franklin Templeton, and, and really trying to build, uh, work their way into the defined benefit space and, and sell to advisors who... Uh, do 401k plans and manage other types of uh, retirement plans that they can automate a lot of that functionality. Uh, they interface with record keepers and provide these an, a paperless IRA rollover solution and auto-populate all the forms and account opening documents because that can be a, a lot of a lot of uh, effort for advisors and a lot of pain uh, for them. So using Next Capital's tools would allow them to automate a lot of that function and automate a lot of what they do for 401k plans and allow the advisors to focus on building out their models, providing good customer service, uh, and really managing their, putting their value into the plans. And uh, not a lot of firms are in this space. So that's interesting. Um, you know, they have a lot of, uh, a lot of interesting clients. Uh, they've gotten a lot of some big clients uh, like Mass Mutual and John Hancock. So definitely validated uh, Next Capital's business model, that it has uh, a value and is, is, is definitely scalable. Uh, you know, they've got some competitors, definitely, um, like Morningstar and Edelman, Financial Engines. Financial Engines being the world's biggest robo, which not a lot of people realize that Financial Engines was a robo before robos were robos, except they only focused in the retirement 401k space. They automated the entire process of managing a 401k plan for our client. I uh, did all the asset allocation, did pick the, the, the securities based on a really relatively simple uh, engine and rules-based engine. I mean, I, I built one of these for one of their competitors. Uh, and the, I mean, the underlying core is relatively straightforward. Uh, it, when you pull, when you put together the rules of how old is the person who you're, the participant, um, you know, younger being more aggressive, older being less aggressive, which isn't always true, but using this type of rules-based engine, you make that assumption. Uh, what type of pension fund are they in, a 401k are they in? What are the, what are the benefits from it? Uh, what's the company match? You know, like the first rule is, are you maximizing your company match? If the, if the participant isn't, boom, you just recommend that right off the bat. Uh, based on what their expense, you come up with their expenses from, an, uh, from uh, their, their proposed expenses in retirement based on their salary, 
current salary, uh, you, you figure out that you do like an 80% roughly, but it's actuarial tables that show you how much their retirement is going to be. And then based on that, you figure out whether you run a bunch of Monte Carlos to see whether they are going to be able to retire. And if they can't, but they don't, if they are in the, uh, the Goldilocks zone of a percentage probability of retiring, you make recommendations like retire later, lower your expenses, um, you know, and, and increase your particip- your, your, your company, your, your match, your, 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 um, how much you're putting into your funds so you, you maximize the company match. So there's only a couple different widgets that you have to work with in these um, 401ks or other uh, defined contribution plans. But it's very helpful. Uh, and, and it's very profitable for the firms that provide it because they can charge a couple of dollars a month per employee. And if you're working for, for your client's FedEx with 100,000 employees, that's a couple hundred thousand dollars a month. It adds up. Uh, you know, and even I think Next Capital's got a great future. They seem to have a lot of traction. Uh, even though they're still micro cap in the space, they've got about $2 billion in assets versus what is financial engines at you know, a couple hundred billion, I would think. Um, can't check at the moment, but it, they're, they're pretty big. Um, so, but they're growing. So, and there's always going to be an opportunity for small players that have some unique uh, value proposition to take uh, some niche business from the established players because everyone wants an alternative. There's always a niche, uh, you know, the 20, 80, 20 rule. There's always a 20% that don't want what everyone else is using and are looking for an alternative. Uh, so there's definitely room for Next Capital to grow. Uh, they take that 30 million they just got and keep building out their platform, keep finding new ways to differentiate. Maybe it's more partnerships like Franklin Templeton's Go Engine that can give them the opportunity. Uh, but there's definitely room for, for Next Capital to, to grow their business and, and land some of the big clients. All of the regular listeners of this podcast know that one of my favorite charities is the Invest in Others Charitable Foundation. The Invest in Others Charitable Foundation is a charity that amplifies the efforts of financial advisors who are giving back to their communities, uh, both local communities and communities around the globe. Invest in Others provides a platform for those advisors, employees, and their firms to increase awareness, visibility, and funding to their favorite nonprofits. Over the past 14 years, Invest in Others has given more than $3 million dollars to 300 plus charities across a variety of causes, including health and wellness, education and youth programs, arts and culture, uh, hunger and poverty prevention, military, veterans, and more. For more information, please visit investinothers.org or follow Invest in Others on your favorite social media platforms, Twitter, LinkedIn, or Facebook. Okay, next up, uh, the next news story we're going to cover. Let me scroll down here. Uh, Investnet Yodely launches Consumer Spending Insights APIs as financial planning goes holistically beyond the balance sheet. It's a long title. Uh, so this is an announcement by Investnet and their Yodely division that they're um, offering API access into their consumer insights data and uh, analytics. And this is a great way. This is really the future of wealth management. What we keep hearing the term holistic being thrown around, such a buzzword, so tired of it. Uh, A lot of firms don't know what it means. They think they're holistic and they're not. It's just something they throw out there as a marketing term. Yes, we're holistic, but they really don't because they don't really provide a complete view of a household's financial life. 
And that's got to include not just the assets, which most firms in our industry, it's all they care about, but liabilities, expenses, cash flow, ins- insurance, uh, you know, other types of, of interactions with, uh, with finance that are, re- are rarely touched by most of the, of the products out there. So um, investment Yodelies uh, APIs uh, should give access to this massive trove of data Yodely has available and some really strong analytics on what consumers are doing. And they match them up with an advisor's clients to say, hey, you know, Craig Iskowitz is your client. Here's his assets. But by the way, he's got these credit cards, which he's giving you access to. Of course, you have to get approval from the consumer. And here's his expenses. Here's where he's spending his money. Here's his insurance. Here's his annuities. Here's um, here's his uh, subscription services. You know, all the things he's, he's working on, uh, all, the thing, all the things he's paying for, all, all the other aspects that, that can be pulled from these data aggregation providers and actually take that data by pulling it through the APIs and pumping it into other systems, using it to feed other tools and analytics to give advice, uh, to give advisors a better view of what they're doing and also to customize models. So you could build a better model for a client if you knew more about them. Uh, you could build uh, you know, better reporting for clients if you knew more about them. You can make other recommendations. You can nudge them in ways that would improve their financial health. And it's more than just, well, don't buy that Starbucks latte. You know, it's, it, it may be, you know, you need to do a better job saving for retirement. You need a better job saving for educational. You need to maybe look at the mortgage. Maybe it's, it's, it's getting to even that level of detail. Let's say, hey, you know, we saw your mortgage and you can get a better rate. Or you've got these student loans, you need to pay them off. Uh, and here's why, or maybe you don't pay them off. Maybe those student loans are great right, because it's, they're such a low interest rate. You should pay off some other things instead. Uh, so there's a lot of opportunity for taking this data around liabilities and other things that the clients are going to be owing in the future uh, or insurance and being able to merge them and pull this data. Uh, of course, this, this once it's an API, which is an application programmatic or programming interface, only the biggest firms can do this. Uh, firms that have tech staffs that understand what an API is understand how to pull the data and understand and have their own systems that they can put the data into. Just because you have data, if you have nowhere to put it, if you have nothing to process it, if you have nothing to analyze it, it's useless. Data just sits there. It doesn't do you any good at all. So you're going to need uh, only clients that have uh, firms that have developers, programmers, people who understand how to call an API, uh, that have systems that can take the data and do something with it are going to find value. But those firms could really set themselves apart in how they provide holistic financial planning to their clients. Uh, you know, feeding this data into other tools and other planning and other um, systems that can make their advice more bespoke and more customized. Because every client wants to feel like they're getting a customized service. Everyone, whether they want to, you know, they want to buy a Volkswagen and get a Mercedes. So they want to have a, a low price but then get the best kind of service. So using these types of tools that can not only provide the data, excuse me, uh, but uh, provide it in a way that should be more integrated with the advisors, broker dealers, uh, existing technology. Since you're not bringing a whole other platform in, uh, assuming they're not in, currently investing a customer, they could just call these APIs and then feed the data into their existing platform. 
and the advisors who are using it wouldn't know the difference. It looks just like another piece of their current platform, yet it's given them better insights. Uh, I know uh, one large wirehouse was doing things like taking um, the um, MLS, the real estate ML multiple listing service data and comparing it, you know, buying that, you have to buy that data and then compare it to their existing clients and breaking it down by advisor and saying, hey, Mr. Mrs. Advi Ms. Advisor, you know, one of your clients has just put their house on the market. You should call them. They're moving. They're going to have expenses. They're going to, maybe they got a new job. You know, so those types of things are very small. And that's not really AI, <clears throat> but it's just taking existing data, crunching it, analyzing it, and then taking action on it or giving advisors uh, a quick next, next best actions list to make it easy for them to know what to do so they can focus on serving the client, getting to know them, uh, you know, maybe uh, uh, doing the things that are value added from a human point of view and leaving the number crunching and other rote uh, work to the, to the tools. Uh, I like how I've, I've always liked the, the, the purchase of Yodely. Uh, you know, it was, it was roundly trashed when they, when they bought them back in 2015, that it was too expensive, but you know, they're laughing all the way, not to the bank, but to better uh, software and, and more clients because they, they, they've been able to integrate it more tightly into their platform. You know, every, Vendor, every data aggregation vendor has to integrate, whether it's, um, you know, Yodely or Bile Accounts or Quovo or Finicity. They offer integrations, but it can't be as tight as when you own the software, right? So investment now, own, from when owning Yodely, it becomes way more of a, a seamless experience, much tighter integration at the lowest level, as opposed to just plugging something in. Even if it's plugged in tightly, it's still not going to be the same. It's not going to be as good. Uh, so that that's provided some value, and it's also uh, a, a decent revenue generator. Um, again, it's a small piece of investors' overall revenue, things like ten percent, but it's still uh, churning out cash, and it's something else they can sell existing clients, which they need because they're such a, a, a have a, such a high market share in the space. And uh, so the Insight Solutions, I think, will also link in to uh, they have another platform which they're using um, for uh, mortgages and, uh, and other lending. So they're using the insights they're gaining from data to provide alternative credit scoring or alternative uh, approvals for mortgages and loans that's not based on the credit score. That's based on other data. So that's a, sort of a quiet thing Yoli's been doing, uh, investing Yoli's been doing uh, to get into other spaces and, and generate other revenue streams by leveraging the data they have in new ways. And that it helps them learn and be able to provide other aspects and other outcomes. So by, by offering these solutions, not only are they monetizing the data they've already got in different ways, uh, they don't have to build any interfaces, which is expensive, building all the user act interaction. That's the, the most exp a very expensive part because clients are constantly tweaking it and saying, I don't like it and I don't want to do it this way, do it that way. Every client wants their own unique um, bespoke solution on the user, act, uh, user, uh, user experience side by delivering on APIs, investor doesn't care. Hey, Mr. Client, Mr. Broker Dealer, build it any way you want. We're just going to give you the data and then we're going to charge you per transaction, per data, however it works. And it's a steady revenue stream. Uh, but they can plug into anything. They can plug into the competitors, right? So if I'm a broker dealer, I'm using a competitive tool. If I'm using Vestmark or Tegra 118 or Charles River, uh, I can take my Yodely data 
and plug it into that platform. And it doesn't matter. And that gives me as the broker dealer more power because I want, if I'm a broker dealer, I want to build layers. I don't want to have one vendor own everything, right? Because then I'm stuck with that vendor. If I change that vendor, I got to change everything out. If it's a layer, if it's an onboarding layer, if it's a data access layer, um, if it's a rebalancing layer where each tool, I control it, I can unplug one and plug it in, plug something else in, you know, I build my own hub, uh, then I, I'm in control. I can say, well, okay, invest and I'm tired of you. I'm going to bring Integra 118 and I can just plug and play with that rather than ripping the whole thing out and having to put in a whole new platform every single piece of the way. Uh, so I know I did a podcast a couple weeks ago with Brian Ross from FixFlyer about the API economy where tools like FixFlyer, which is an order management solution, is now de- can now deliver their entire platform API only. So you can do order management via APIs, which was unheard of. Uh, that's another big lift we, we've done some of those um, system implementations, which were a nightmare, trying to put in a new order management system and all the connectivity. But if it's just an API or a group of APIs, it's much easier to unplug, plug something else in or put something else in side by side. So a uh, great opportunity um, for investment Yodely here to also make their clients stickier, right? So if you're just um, a tech vendor, uh, like investments competitors that don't have their own Yodely, which none of them do, as far as I know, uh, they're just offering tech, you're not as sticky, right? If you've also got these insights where the, uh, the broker dealer is building into your APIs, it makes you a little stickier, right? You're, you're using more, you're, you're building it more tightly into your system. Uh, and again, I'm just, uh, uh, this is the opposite of what I just said, that it's, it's, it's uh, using APIs makes it less uh, sticky, but it also works in the reverse, that it's giving you more things to sell to clients and more ways to find out what they're doing and how they're working so it can, it can work in the opposite way as well, depending on how it's positioned. So uh, great idea. I'd love to see how the Yodely Insights continues to improve and what new stuff they come out with to help their clients uh, provide more holistic, really holistic, not just air quotes holistic advice. Okay, last story uh, in the news this month on the kitsis.com website for October 2020 is YCharts expands to larger RIAs and broker-dealers by adding SMA data to their expanding portfolio analytics toolkit. Uh, I really like YCharts. And just full disclosure, we have done, my consulting firm has done some uh, strategy work for YCharts. Uh, and I should also do full disclosure on the other stories. Uh, I'll have to go back and edit that. We, we've also done some work for InvestNet in the past, uh, but not Franklin Templeton. So no work for them. Um, but there you go. There's your full disclosure. So what I like about Y charts, and even before uh, we did some work for them, we followed them because this is our job, right? We we uh, we keep track of all the technology in the space, and we do a lot of uh, research. We've got a research arm of Ezra Group, uh, run by our head of research, Gene Sullivan, and we do a lot of competitive analysis, reviews, uh, market analysis, client segmentation, revenue potential, product market fit, and Y charts was interesting. They started out. Uh, as a really, um, you know, charting, uh, focused on on charting and and, and uh, technical analysis, but they expanded into more portfolio analytics and built a really nice solution for advisors who are more into their investment strategies and want to focus on delivering bespoke investment solutions to their clients. So they use the portfolio analytics uh, of Y charts to do. Um, filtering and criteria across a wide range of products. But up until now, it's only been 
ETFs, mutual funds, and equities. And now with this launch, they can also do separately managed accounts. That's a big move, especially in the broker-dealer space, uh, because broker-dealers all support SMAs. And one of the big reasons is they're good for higher net worth clients, but also they need them to be able to capture breakaway brokers. Advisors leaving wirehouses almost always have some sort of SMA assets. And if you're a broker-dealer and you're trying to bring those advisors over, you want to bring their assets over without repapering uh, or without changing managers. So you got to have a, a pretty broad range of managers, SMAs on your platform, because um, no advisor wants to call their client and say, yeah, I'm changing broker deals, and you got to sell all your stocks so I can put you in a different manager. Not a conversation any advisors want to have. Uh, so by offering this tool for YCharts, they can go to more broker dealers and say, hey, you know, your advisors who are building their own models, they're doing repress PM, they want better ways to filter and look up criteria of separately managed accounts. And I think there's more than 8,000 or 10,000, I haven't checked the numbers recently, strategies from however many 500, 600 asset managers in the space. That's a lot. There's a lot of data there. And it's not the same as looking up equities or mutual funds or ETFs. Looking up SMAs is very different. Um, the amount, the types of data you look at is very different. Um, and the, the way you compare them is very different. So it took a while for YTrots to build that. And I haven't seen the interface. So I'm going to get a demo, hopefully in a couple of weeks, to see what they're doing uh, to make it easier for advisors to sort, filter, and pull out the SMAs that work best in their portfolios. Um, and it's usually doing complementary analysis, saying, hey, I've got this, I have this gap in my portfolio. I'm looking for an SMA that does X, you know, whatever that particular kind of SMA is large cap, small cap, mid cap, international, uh, you know, whatever, the, whatever the particular criteria sectors, is it, is it a Brazilian fund, is it, is it APAC, is it LATAM, um, you know, and try to, try to fill gaps with specific SMAs, you need a good screening and filtering tool um, to look up things like performance, which everyone looks at, but risk allocations, exposure metrics, when you're exposed to different uh, sectors, exposure to different uh, geographies, uh, manager tenure, fees, benchmarks. So those types of things you want to be able to filter and screen on across the entire universe of SMAs. And YCharts gets their estimate data from Morningstar, which is not a big surprise since Morningstar is an investor in YCharts, which is also interesting because YCharts competes uh, with uh, Morningstar Direct, uh, which is uh, does a lot of um, portfolio analytics and a little bit with uh, Morningstar Workstation. So I guess Morningstar uh, doesn't want to have all their eggs in one basket and wants to uh, keep their eye on the, their finger on the pulse by uh, investing in someone who is a competitor. Maybe they can, maybe they'll be buying them at some point in the future. Uh, but they're certainly getting some insights into what they're doing. So that's interesting. Um, and also gives them access to uh, other types of clients. So maybe higher net worth RIAs that, are, that use, have a larger percentage of their assets in separately managed accounts. Uh, so I think this is definitely a good move uh, by YCharts, building out their platform, making it more robust, uh, making it more accessible, and, and making it more interesting to broker-dealers and other firms. Uh, for example, LPL just added uh, YCharts to their vendor affinity program. And, and LPL has a number of levels. 
So they're not doesn't mean they're recommending Y charts or, or forcing their advisors to use Y charts, not at all. It's just supported, uh, which I believe is what the vendor affinity program means, but they still have to go sell it and advisors have to select it. But there's 17,000 advisors in LPL. So it's not a bad thing to get access to that and be able to use it. There are other charting, uh, they have news capabilities, screening capabilities. And I believe Y charts is also building out, also already has client communication tools that allow advisors to build custom uh, presentations to advisors to explain why they picked certain assets, why they built certain portfolios, which is really cool because any, anything that can build, that can add more value and create more touch points and make it uh, easier for client advisors to communicate with clients is going to be valuable. And it's another reason why advisors seem to love Charts and their product set. And that's it. Uh, for our new uh, different format. So we're going to be probably doing one of these uh, news roundups once a month. So please let us know what you think of this format. Do you like it? Do you not like it? Uh, Is it something you want to see more of or hear more of rather? Uh, Let us know. Uh, Make sure to uh, subscribe to this podcast uh, on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen to podcasts and share it on your social media. Uh, Give us a five-star review. And we look forward to talking to you all next time.